You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Top of the morning to you, Ethan. <laughs> How you doing, Josiah? I feel fine. That's good. We were just discussing before we started recording hot sauce. Yeah, that's right. Hot sauce orders. Mm. Changing it up from coffee here, folks. Hot sauce orders. <laughs> it's just a different vice. It is. Well, let me tell you what. <laughs> if there's a good vice, it's, it's hot, hot sauce. sauce. That's, <laughs> that's right. It's, man, it is It is the spice of life. It is. I mean, mm. literally. It's, it is in every sense of the way. It is. Word. Words. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. I'm a big hot sauce fan. For sure. Not... For flavor. I mean, I like the spice. I like the, the heat, too, oh, right, but right, not right. heat for heat's sake. I'm not a masochist about it. Yeah, so like the Atomic Wings, Quaker Steak, or Blazing Wings, like at Buffalo Wild Wings. Like, yeah, sure. But that's just, I'm not... No, no, no. Something that know. I've found is like sometimes when people are like, this food is ultra supernova hot, it's actually just bitter and salty. Yeah. And it's actually, it's not even like the capsaicin heat of peppers. It's no. just bitter and salty. Yeah. I noticed that with salsa and some sauces. It's like, what is this? It tastes terrible. Yeah. I would much rather get something in the medium category. And then just completely overuse it. <laughs> it's so good. And then you get the flavor and eventually you get the heat. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. I recently overdid it with some hot sauce oh. on a chicken dish <laughs> that I was not ready for. I was way, way underestimating how yeah. hot the sauce would be. And uh will get you. Oh, I was I was feeling it the next day, like into the next Ooh, day. No way. Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. that's a nightmare. We'll not do that again. So Hot sauce, folks. This episode, it's not sponsored by any. Use responsibly. Yeah, use responsibly. So, yeah. Well, oh, hot sauce aside, mm. today we're on to not vice, not vice things. We're not on to vices. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. You know, you saw that in the description. You did. I'm you sure. read it. You know what you're into, in for, into, here for. We know what, you know what we're into <laughs> and you know what you're here for. <laughs> Thank you, Ethan, yeah. for saying what I cannot say. Yes, we're on the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, and the third petition is, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh-huh. Yes, a classic, to be sure. It is like, a classic. They're all classics. I don't know why. Is, I this one... feel the need to qualify that, but yeah. I don't know. It sticks out in my mind. Yeah, I agree. And when we come to this petition, and we're asking God that his will may be done, we're making this petition in at least two senses. Right? We are asking, one, that we might actively participate in God's will. Hmm. And we are asking that the world might submit to God's will. So a brief word on each should cover this podcast adequately. Oh, yeah. Petition. Perfectly and completely. Yeah. Will we all mystery solved as always? Theologians will reference this podcast. They will. They will come back to this and be like, this seminal work. So first off. We're asking that we might actively participate in God's will. Okay. Now, why would we need to ask for this? That's my question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, I mean, many people might have that question. Why would we need to ask that? Because, I mean, if we're professing Christians, aren't we technically already in the will of God? Mm. In a sense, yeah, now that we belong to Christ and we bow the knee to him as king. I mean, it's kind of what you signed up for. Yeah, yeah. However, we don't do God's will perfectly or constantly, do we? Do okay. we? Do well, we? Well, now that you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought! <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, we do still disobey him, unfortunately. We still try to do things in our way and in our time. So even though we've been saved and sin no longer has the same dominion over us, there's still a remnant of our old sinful will that tries to battle against our father's will. And that, that unfortunately is still happening. Paul touches on this in Romans 7 when he says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Side note, that's characteristic of a Christian. Only Christian's going to say something like that, right? But I see in my members 
another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wow, that is such a descriptive way to explain that conflict. Yeah. But as an aside, I find that actually kind of reassuring. Because mm-hmm. yep. like, oh, it's oh, it's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> you of all people, Paul, uh, felt that same visceral conflict. Yeah, and I do think that's something that all Christians, they struggle with that sense of I'm the only insane person who <laughs> is still yeah. feeling this. Like everyone else has got it figured mm. out and put together except for me. Yeah. And then the ironic thing is we're all thinking that. And as it turns out, even the Apostle Paul. So yeah, this is true. And this might even often go deeper than we might at first realize. For example, sometimes I'll do God's will, quote unquote, outwardly, but in reality, I'm not doing his will inwardly, if that makes sense. Is that like the the right thing for the wrong reasons? I think that can be an example of it. Okay. So let me take another example that kind of spins off that. Let's say I'm giving my offering to the church and in making that offering, I'm outwardly doing God's will, right? Like I'm I'm doing what's what's been asked of me as a Christian, you know, you give offerings to the church, the sake of the ministry, et cetera, et cetera. But suppose that in my heart, I'm grumbling about that and I'm thinking things to myself like, uh, ugh, you know, like I really, I want to keep this money for myself and this is ridiculous and I understand why God is asking me to do this and I just don't want to do it and I want to keep this money. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, God has told us that we ought to make our offerings with joy and gladness Mm. as a reflection of our thankfulness for everything that he's given us in Christ, right? Like if I went up to Morgan and I bought her like an anniversary gift and she's like, oh, Josiah, I love it. I'm like, yeah. Do you know how much this cost? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I'm like, holy God, you just defeat, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I did, like, quote unquote, the right thing, but yeah. like, the whole attitude behind it has now kind of spoiled it. <laughs> and so, when it comes to making an offering like that, in that sense, I'm failing to do God's will as he wills, if that makes sense. So I'm not doing God's will in God's way. I think that's actually a really interesting example, too, because there are like pragmatic and and, like real benefits that can be seen even with your compromised intentions. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, like the good that's being done isn't less real because your heart wasn't in it. Yes. And, And I actually think that's true of a lot of disciplines where you kind of have to cultivate the practice to really appreciate it or to be good at it. Yes. Or to do it with the right mindset. Right. Because without that, you like you are still missing out on the whole picture as it was intended for you to experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think the flip on that, which is a great point, is that if people are like, well, I don't feel like doing it, I just better not do it. Oh, right. You know what I mean? It's like, well, no, that's not it. Like, the ideal is, of course, you do it and you feel the joy of doing it. But part of getting yourself to feel that is to do it and then to like acknowledge, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, God, like right now, I can't hide this from you. I don't feel like right. making this offering. So exactly. like, help me, you know, in this regard to feel as I ought. Because one of the interesting things just about that specific example, when Paul is quoting Jesus, I think in Acts 20, when he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. It's interesting is when he says, it's more blessed. What he's saying is when you're giving, you're actually receiving something. Like you are receiving a blessing, yeah. more of a blessing than if you had just received some like, other material gift the weird math of the kingdom um (laughs) exactly so all that is to say obviously the more you look at this and the more i mean you read like all the commands of scripture and the imperatives of jesus and you see how we fail to keep these so often even as christians i think you can see the need for us to ask our father let your will be done in like our hearts let me submit to your providence with gladness and gratefulness help me overcome my stubborn heart and gladly do what you ask i love that kind of personal angle 
to the petition. Yeah, I just think that's that's very important, and we need God's help in order to do that. Yeah. So that's one angle on it. We're asking that we might actively and happily participate in God's will and not kick against the goad, so to speak. But we are also asking that the world might finally submit to God's will, because the reality at the end of the day is that people are either doing the will of their Father in heaven or they're doing the will of their Father in hell. Oh. Yes. Controversial statement, perhaps? I don't know. No, everyone is in some sense doing the will of their father, whoever that happens to be. And I'm not just making that up. I mean, here's how Jesus described it. (laughs) When he was talking to the religious authorities and trying to tell them why they weren't as free as they thought they were. Um, He says this in John chapter 8. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Oh, my word. This is so intense. I love that he asks the question right before he answers it. Yes. And then delivers like information that's 10 times as heavy. Every time he goes from one sentence to the next, it becomes more condemning. Yeah. It's, oh my word. Yeah. Wow. It is pretty crazy to think about. So, I mean, in other words, mankind left to itself is under the sway of Satan. Sure. Which doesn't mean that like everyone is a quote unquote active Satanist, right? It's not like, oh, you right, know, like right, we're right. not, no, it's not, that does not mean everyone is out here like performing satanic rituals <laughs> or, you know, like holding black masses and stuff like that, right? You know what I mean? Like that's not, <laughs> I kid you not. I was going to say a lot of that. <laughs> But then I thought, no, I don't want to put a chocolate on my back for saying these things. Yet here I am. (laughs) No, uh, what that means is that until people have a change of heart, right? Like until Christ gets a hold of them, left to themselves, they do the will of their father, the devil, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Again, that doesn't mean that they're the worst they could possibly be. Mm. I think that doctrine sometimes yeah. gets screwed up. This you know? isn't just like, you know, serial killers and uh, tyrants. and This isn't like right. this, the worst evil embodied. Right. But simply, well, I actually, I'm, you know, I'm not going to take the wind out of your sails. Please continue. Well, no, no. It's just that it means that exactly where you were going. <laughs> Yeah, you're taking no, 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 you out of my no, 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 I insist. <laughs> no, it means basically, um, again, not to misconstrue this term, but like they are antichrist in their hearts. Mm. Isn't just they don't desire to please God. They don't want to do what He wills. Let me ask you if this is there's a way to understand it. It almost seems like this incorporates. Yes, it does incorporate the the serial killers and necrophiles of the world. Ooh, yes. see that was dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even those that kind of fall into the zone of what you might consider neutrality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like not actively evil, but simply doing whatever does come naturally. Again, yeah. that doesn't mean embezzlement right. and murder, but sure. simply oh, yeah. following the natural desires of your own heart, which, yes. which is going to be selfish and self-serving in different capacities. So that was actually a surprising angle for me to kind of like yeah. take into consideration and even to recognize, mm-hmm. because I, I think you're right. We do focus on like, oh, it's just the most depraved ever. Like, right. Or that's just how we assume the rest of everything is right, or has the potential to be. We all have the potential to be. Yeah. But it's even just this zone of quote unquote neutrality or how that looks to us. Yeah, exactly. That is a great, great point and a uh, very helpful way of understanding that because we even have Paul saying, what is it, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy, somewhere in there he says, there are some... 
uh, someone fact check me on this, but like some who have been captured by Satan to do his will, like in the sense that like, yeah, like this whole neutrality thing is like, you may not even be aware of like what's going on here. But the end is that even if you're not like embezzling money or I mean, even if on all outer appearances, you're a good person, like doing, I mean, good things. The inner state of our heart is exactly what you said. It's going to be selfish. There's Mm going to be this attitude towards God that says, I don't need to submit to him. Right. Like, oh, I can right. do things my my yeah. way, my will, like my will be done. Exactly. Um, and Essentially, even, not choosing a side is in effect still choosing a side. It is. Yes. Yes. I, again, that's Jesus saying, he who is not with me is against me. Yeah. So when we ask thy will be done, we are asking that God might fully drive away this influence of Satan, right? That like he might not hold the world under his sway any longer and that other people along with creation itself, by the way, would be able to submit to God's will. I mean, there's another crazy thing to think about. Creation itself. Yeah. That Paul says creation is groaning under the curse and that it was subjected to futility. So like there's a sense in which that's wild. Even the world that we live in, as far as nature is concerned, isn't able to do God's will perfectly in a sense. That starts getting really complicated. I've probably just opened up a different <laughs> can of worms with that. All the theologians that we're going to reference this episode are now like, wait a minute. <laughs> he, mm. he just confused us without elaborating. Well, yes, that's too, it's too bad. It's too well, bad. You know. So those are the two, I mean, big senses in which we're asking God's will to be done. I mean, I'm asking it to be done in my, my own life that I might participate and do what he wills and that the world might eventually submit to that. Mm-hmm. And on a brief concluding note, you have that clause that says, on earth as it is in heaven, right? God's will, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think you could apply that to the two preceding petitions as well. Yeah. Theologically, at least. I don't know. I mean, the grammarians might come in here and start kicking my butt. Your exegesis is uh, off grammatically speaking. But I mean, we're asking, hallowed be thy name and thy kingdom come. Like all of those, we want them to be done on earth as they are in heaven, right? Because when we're asking for something to be done on earth as it is in heaven, let me ask it this way. How are things done in heaven? Like the angels are, are they grumbling about, you know, like is Gabriel moaning about whatever task he's been given today to do? No, he's not. I, I doubt that. Yeah, no, he's he, he's not doing that. The cherubim and the seraphim are not sad about the state of affairs they find themselves in in heaven. <gasps> Everyone is doing basically everything God asks them to do in heaven. Right. And so we want that reality to be true on earth. And so like when we say, hallowed be thy name, well, we want it. We want God's name to be treated the way the cherubim and the seraphim are treating it. Mm. And they're, you know, they're flying around the throne 24 seven, constantly all the time saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Like, okay, we want that on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Well, like the expression of the kingdom in heaven where the saints, you know, the departed saints and their spirits are reigning right now is perfect, right? There's no sin. There's no sorrow there anymore. Like, we want that on earth as it is in heaven and that will be done. Well, everyone's doing God's will perfectly in heaven and mm. we want that done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there a reason that we separate this on earth as it is in heaven? Like, are we going to treat that differently in a separate episode? No, we'll treat that just here. We'll just, we'll treat it as the... Right here, everybody. It's yeah. the exclusive <laughs> addendum to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think you draw out a good point, though, because I was it's the kind of thing I think about in the previous pieces as yeah. well. It's like, oh, well, like, you know, I'm, I'm I guess I am just naturally thinking ahead a little bit about um, even in the last episode, why we're not linking multiple pieces together. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's helpful to, to note. Yeah. In some sense, I think then it applies to each of those. But 
mm-hmm. it does get kind of lumped in, generically speaking, with the thy yeah. will petition. And so, yeah. And that's basically, I mean, what we're getting at there is we want God's full and perfect reign in heaven to come down to earth, which will happen at the return of Christ, right? That's, yeah. that's, so that's really, honestly, another big thing of what we're asking for is we're asking Christ to return for us because when he returns, then, I mean, heaven does come to earth, right? Like that's yeah. the new heaven, the new earth and all of that. It's interesting, actually. Here's just a fun little tidbit. When you read Revelation, <laughs> that fun book, <laughs> the heavenly Jerusalem that uh-huh. is adorned like a bride for her husband is coming down from heaven. It's not we're going up to the heavenly Jerusalem in heaven. The city comes down to earth from heaven. The idea is then that like the Bible, the Bible has come full circle, that it started in the Garden of Eden with a temple, basically, like the sanctuary Eden, you know, mm. this this place, the tree of life. And then the heavenly Jerusalem comes down to earth. You have the tree of life there. And so heaven has come back to earth again, but in a restored, renewed and better way, in a glorified way. And uh, God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. So, yeah, that's it. Nice. The whole thing right there. Our tome that theologians will refer to for years to come, yeah. no doubt. <laughs> Well, thank you as always for listening. If this proved helpful to you and you wanted to share it or leave an honest five-star review in the uh, iTunes podcast store, you know, that'd be great. Sure. We'd appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That'd, be, that'd be helpful. You know, we'd, we'd bolster our spirits there, you know. Just, I won't say it. no. Just ask. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> and if you have any questions on this or any other topic, as always, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. Thank you as always for listening. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.